Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Damon, and I got Brett and Kyle here with me today. And we are would like to welcome back to the show, Sakura Reese. Welcome back, Sak. Hello. So we are continuing our series on money and money matters. And, you know, something actually stood out to me this past Sunday when Pastor Barry was giving his sermon, and he was going through the parable of the soils. And as he was talking about it, I kept thinking, I've heard this story hundreds of times. I've taught on this story many, many times before. But something actually stood out that had never caught my eye or ear before. And I was like, why is this so... Uh, just stand out to me so much. And I thought it was something that we could talk about on uh, this episode today. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And this is, again, part of the parable of the soils, and Jesus is explaining it. So it goes like this. He says, Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And so I think the thing that stood out to me for the first time really was the part where he says making it unfruitful because I think before I'd always associated, uh, you know, the thorns as making it so that the plant dies, Mm. you know. And so I was like, okay, we don't want to be like the thorn or the seed that's among the thorns because the plant's going to die. But this one doesn't say the plant dies. It just says it makes it unfruitful. So I thought that really stood out to me. Yeah, because when you have thorns in your garden, it's taking away nutrients and robbing uh, potentially sunlight if they get big enough, right? So similar analogy. Is that, is that where you're going with it? Yeah, and I, I think for me before I was thinking, you know, for this analogy of the, the parable of the soils, I always thought, you know, only the good soil is the one that becomes a believer and is able to, you know, have saving faith and things like that. And the other three soils were always bad and, you can, you know, they're not good Christians or whatever. And so I always associated with like that and so this really kind of changed things for me to think no it's just our fruitfulness so it's not like in this situation the person isn't doesn't become a believer or doesn't get saving faith but it just says that he becomes unfruitful and so i thought that was something interesting because it's not like the enemy is going to come and try to steal our salvation he's really coming in to steal our fruitfulness and make us unfruitful I was just looking over at the verse there. It's the the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Yes, thank you for the two <laughs> things there. Um, because I think it's, yeah, it's not just wealth or just uh, money issues. There's, you know, the worries, there's the concerns of just everyday life that also choke out God in our lives. But then the, I like how that verse says the deceitfulness of wealth too, because it's not, wealth itself it's the lures the false hope the the false, false security false security things like that that that's really where what's the thorn and that's gonna like kind of drain maybe maybe not even drain but it pulls our attention away from god mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways yeah i agree um i think anytime that it pulls away from god and uh for me in particular it's it's like when i make it about me um sometimes you know i think there's something that trails behind you, like worry and stress um, that I don't want, um, but it just robs, you know, just the fruit out of what God is calling me to do. Um, yeah, that's what I think of. It, it, it paints the picture to me when you're talking about fruitfulness in that it doesn't stop you from, or 
in the analogy that you gave, it wasn't so much that the enemy came after your salvation, but thinking of it like if you plant, I don't know, some apple seed or something. So it's not necessarily that it doesn't grow to be an apple tree. It's just it doesn't produce any good apples. And so it's like it makes me question then it's like then that person or that example is whoever is representative of that plant or tree is like what is their purpose right it goes i feel like it would it would reflect back to then okay you're just this tree but you can't produce what you're supposed to be doing you're not able to do what you're supposed to be doing and so i feel like i would still kind of qualify that as not being good or like when you were saying you just want to be in the good soil and and the bad soil i mean it just doesn't seem like that is um a good goal to reach that look i'm okay with just being that one because i still get salvation but i mm-hmm. i'm okay with just not being as fruitful you know yeah i don't think i was trying to say that it was good to be in the thorns but i was i think i was trying to say that in the past i thought that it was really talking about salvation mm. and and not mm. so much talking about fruitfulness. Mm. And so, you know, when I think about it now and associating it with fruitfulness, it's like, okay, well, what are the fruit of the spirit, right? Is love, mm. joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so when you think of these types of things, when it's like worries of this world, well, if I'm worried about the things of this world, am I experiencing the fullness of joy that I, that I have mm. or that I'm supposed to have? And, and that's what I was looking at different versions. So Pastor Barry read from Mark, but if you look at it in, in Luke, it talks about bringing the fruit to maturity. Mm. It says it doesn't, you, it does, that plant is not able to bring its fruit to maturity. Mm. So I'm not able to have the fullness of love that I, w- I was supposed to have. Mm. I'm not able to have the fullness of joy that I was supposed to have. I'm not able to have the fullness of peace because these other things are choking that out. And so it's like, oh, if I want the fullness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then I need to be aware that the enemy can use the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth so that I'm not experiencing those things. And and that's really what stood out to me in this verse. So it's not being who you're created and called to be. Okay. Okay, Whoa, we're in the money matters like one, not we're, we're done with created and called, Kyle. <laughs> Dude, that's our mission statement, bro. Come on. But I like that perspective because... I think when you ask somebody, well, like, do you want more goodness? Most people are going to say yes. And so I think it could be a good check for you if you feel like you're not experiencing that. You can kind of work in reverse and say, what are those things that might be choking out so that I'm not experiencing it, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at it from maybe the ground up, it's like, okay, well, if I'm looking at the fruit, let me kind of turn around and look at what's, what's stopping me from getting to this point. So I like that perspective a lot. Yeah, and that's more of what I was trying to get at with, I guess, why God was highlighting it to me. What mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't to say, yeah, we should settle for the. It should be okay for the, <laughs> for us to go with this because we're, we're still saved and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us, or do we want to just settle for, you know, a little bit? I do think that that's a question for another time, though, because I do think there are a lot of us that. Maybe we're not being fully choked out, but there is that, well, why don't you want the fullness? Mm-hmm. Right? I think um, my small group and I, we re- really wrestled with that when going through the intimacy curriculum. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you want, you know and hear about this relationship with God. Well, why, 
why don't you want to have that intimate of a relationship with God? And, and it, sometimes it is scary or hard or, um, yeah, the enemy twists things in our head so we think it's going to look a certain way or we're not capable of it or whatever it is. But um, in that same way, it, I think there are some people that maybe aren't going to tell themselves, I'm down to be the, the tree that produces no fruit. <laughs> but in reality, sometimes I think we make decisions that often end up exemplifying that more than it would be the one that's uh, in good soil. So yeah, it's about just like, uh, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Right, it's you, set, you basically just settle for less than what God has in store for you. Yeah, and I think that that for us, it's just a good thing to be aware of. This is one of the tricks that the enemy uses to to get us to settle or get us to not experience the fullness, is giving us worry, showing us the deceitfulness of wealth or allure of the deceitfulness of wealth, so that we don't become as fruitful and experience the fruit to its fullness. Yeah. I mean, when I, I was talking with pastor Barry before we did this series, you know, cause we were each going to be speaking uh, really our heart was to get people to see that a lot of the ways our society talks about money is um, not in alignment with God's word. Mm-hmm. So it really, when you're a Christian, you have to be countercultural in a lot of different ways. In some ways, I think it's kind of like what you were just saying, Brett. Mm-hmm. some ways, we're okay with being countercultural and standing up and actually pursuing. But then there's some ways it's like, it's just too hard or it's uncomfortable or, you know, it's not what the world tells me. Mm-hmm. And so I think money is a, a huge one of those that, cause it comes in a lot of different forms and different avenues. So, yeah. So that's our diatribe on uh, <laughs> this passage. Um, you know, so last in our last episode, one of the things that we talked about for this episode is that we wanted to have a little discussion, and that's why we brought in SAC, a little discussion about how we want to help our kids to have a healthy view of finances and a healthy view of money. And so uh, one of the terms that we've been kind of hearing, or at least Kyle and I have been hearing recently, is this term optimal deprivation. Uh, Kyle, do you want to, since you're the the definition guy. Do you want to define what optimal deprivation is? Um, it's the correct level of depriving. Does that nice. sound good? <laughs> you like that? I'm nice. Like, <laughs> it's the optimal level of depriving. <laughs> you know, it really, it's it's so it's really the idea that there is there is a a healthy level of deprivation. Like depriving ourselves in certain ways. Oh, right, Brett's gonna right, say something. Righteous suffering. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think, w- yeah, if if we if we get all of our, especially our wants, it actually takes us to a bad place. And so sometimes the the deprivation is is more of just delayed um, gratification, gratification, or mm. it's not necessarily that you can't ever have it, but sometimes it's just there's a, there's a deprivation of our society is everything now and, and get it and mm-hmm. if you have to wait then there's you did something wrong or mm. you just yeah you didn't use the right technology or or whatever but really i think with our kids especially and i i i see it in my own kids with finances it's i mean i could provide for all of their wants if i really wanted to mm-hmm. but do do am i actually doing them a disservice by mm-hmm. doing that and mm-hmm. on what level, you know, or how far do I have to go to make it a, a, a crutch for them? Because there's, there's the part of um, kind of exemplifying God's goodness mm-hmm. and his provision and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
well, well, one one part of the optimal deprivation, it's not about needs, really. It's about wants. Mm. So it's not about not meeting somebody's, <laughs> like your kid's needs. That would just be messed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's parents that do that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But it's, you know, emotional, physical, and all that stuff too. But it's really, it's, that that part is is not in question. Really, it's it's the stuff beyond that. Does that kind of summarize it for you, Damon? Yeah, it's it's kind of this sense that we want to help raise our kids to be able to have perseverance. And if if they're not ever put in a situation to have perseverance, then when are they going to learn it? And you know, Kyle and I were talking about a situation earlier today for each of us where there were senses like for myself, I didn't learn certain things because my mom was uh would take care of a lot of stuff for me when I was little and the way that she would do it it was kind of, you know I I kind of have told people I didn't really appreciate it cuz she would just say like mm. oh you're such a chicken and then she would do it for me mm. but then that was kind of my scapegoat and then I never learned how to do it until I had to do it on my own and it was a lot harder for me that I think than if I would have done it you know when I was younger or have learned how to do some of these things when I was younger and so Part of it is how do we help our, raise our kids to be resilient and to have perseverance and to have good character. And some of it comes from holding back certain things and depriving them in certain ways of things that they want mm -hmm. so that we can help them to grow in those areas and help them to become better people, not just people that get what they want when they want it. Right. I think last week you guys were talking about the different personalities or the animals that you guys were describing, right? Like. If I'm not mistaken, you guys are all squirrels, right? <laughs> Damon's a, what is the other one, an owl? Owl squirrel? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm a squirrel. <laughs> I think so it was, I think you're right. I think I, it was owl. And then we, we made the joke about the flying squirrel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I could relate to a lot of the things that you guys are talking about. Um, for me, there's kind of the sense of attachment to money growing up. Um, if I can just kind of back up a little bit and tell my background with, you know, being, um, being brought up with money. Um, Brett, I think you talked about your grandfather a mm -hmm. little bit and mm -hmm. you know how you're like the third or fourth generation of, um, your grandfather immigrating here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually second generation and my dad actually immigrated, um, here and he's kind of towards the end of his living out his American dream. Um, fast forward, you know, growing up, I think, you know, for us, money meant, you know, a, a couple of things. Like, um, you know, with money giving is pretty high in the a Asian family. Like, that, that's kind of a, a typical thing. Like, as a birthday gift or, like, for holidays, like, you just get an envelope and there's just cash <laughs> just straight <laughs> up cash uh which um that's kind of how I grew up too um but um it it, it wasn't that frequent and it mm. was usually pretty generous mm. and so whenever I received money I just remember thinking you know like you know just really thankful but also there's kind of like this love that was attached to it so um you know my parents they don't really express love like the way they do in the Western culture and mm -hmm. say, I love you that much. Um, they kind of tend to do it by giving you a gift, mm -hmm. you know, usually an mm -hmm. envelope with mm -hmm. some cash. <laughs> uh, some people might think that that's kind of cold, but I don't know. That's just the way we grew up. And that was kind of our culture. 
And I, I guess I just bring it up because there's that level of, oh, my parents love me because look how generous they were with their money. But, you know, just kind of have to be careful also that you don't have that attachment to money, um, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's good for all of us to kind of look at our our parents because whether people are listening have kids or not, you can look at how your parents influenced you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw my parents, I didn't think my parents used money very well and so being a saver anyways i was like well, i'm gonna do better than that i'm gonna mm-hmm. but it became more of like my security or my almost my identity too that i handled money well and so i had my own pride with that but and then and so seeing my parents and and their their relationship with money and then now having kids and i, I have a spender and a saver so i got one of each and i'm trying to help both of them um through their own struggles mm-hmm. but it's uh but it's, it's interesting because I can see how if I'm not careful, I can just put my own stamp on each of them. And that's not – I think I, my own stamp can help each of them. But I, I think if I just try to make them like me, that's not going to be healthy either. Mm. How, about, how about you, Brett? How, did, how was it with you growing up watching your parents and your view of money? So I never really, like, looked at my parents and how they handled their finances. But they, on their own, would tell me, me, me and your mom or my mom would be me and your dad. We're not good with money. So don't learn from us. And I'm like, <laughs> sweet. Thanks. Um, no, but I, I think they, they understood where they had to learn and, and, um, made mistakes or wish they could have done different mm-hmm. things different. And so they actually encouraged me to seek out other people that mm-hmm. I could try to learn from at an earlier age. And, um, I actually had to learn the lesson of spending to a degree mm-hmm. Um, in terms of just even like, okay, it's good to um, save your money and it's good to find a deal, mm-hmm. but also like looking at the value of it. Like if there's something that's worth it, that's you're going to use or is long lasting or is not just going to break, like it's okay to spend. You have to like give yourself permission to spend too. So I had to learn that from them. But, um, you know, I think they were just very encouraging in um, learning how to, save and use my money better and so they would you know they were continuing to learn and and grow and and figure out how to do things um and i i think their heart was just more that we me and my brother would be able to do quote-unquote better than them in a sense of having a greater understanding of what to do with our money and and how to have a healthy relationship with it Mm um not that their relationship with it is necessarily unhealthy but more so they just felt like they could have done better, been wiser, and it would have created less issue for certain things. But one thing that I really appreciate that I know that they have always had is they've always been gracious. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to other people in need, when it comes to other family, when it comes to, you know, they, they want to lift burdens or just show that, that care, like, Sakura said kind of there is some love to it of giving my own possession to somebody else and not uh, expecting anything in return and so um, I know that I think my mom took the lesson that she learned from her father to heart and made wanted to make sure that Dylan and I um, understood that and um, yeah I think the whole optimal deprivation was something that she would be giving you guys an amen right now because <laughs> she was all about building character. <laughs> That's all I heard. It, I heard it so much it almost made me want to gag at a certain point when I heard it. But 
Um, I, I'm I'm thankful in the ways that they encouraged me to try to learn. And I didn't. I mean, I made mistakes, and they're gracious with it, mm-hmm. right? They're like, "Well, you gotta kind of, you gotta kind of learn because um, that's just how it is." Mm-hmm. And then other times they're very encouraging, like, "You did a good job," or um, "Hey, you should look into this and and do things of that nature." Yeah, I think as we talk about optimal deprivation, there's a the key word is optimal, right? So it's not just like total deprivation, but it's also not total um, giving them everything that they want whenever they want, right? So it's what does that line look like for us to be able to walk, you know? And we've been talking about this a lot in a lot of different ways, just the messy grace framework, right? Is how are we able to walk in the tension between the two to whether in this case, help our kids to grow to be re- resilient, and t- especially in terms of finances, when in other areas it might just be how are we able to love people that are different than us, mm-hmm. right? And so for us, it's what does that look like? How are we able to walk that line? And Because it would be totally easy to go one way or the other. It would be totally easy to, to deprive them of all their wants and say, just never give them anything that they want. But it would also be just as easy in our culture where we have an abundance of finances, leisure, and those types of things to just give them whatever they want, whenever they want. And either way, it's detrimental to them. So how do we find that optimal place to be able to help them to grow into the people that God created them to be? I think one of the key things is like what Brett said, let, like as parents, like letting our kids fail with money in small ways, like no, nothing drastic, because you learn a lot from those when you're younger, like um, I mean, if we want to get into more of the hands-on stuff, like with my kids, I actually, they have debit cards now that are like tied with my bank account so I can transfer money to them and all that kind of stuff too, but they have their own cards. So if, Hey, we, we take them. What are you going to say? Brett? No, I was going to say, <laughs> did, was that scary for you or, or how did you feel about no, it? Cause I mean, there's like overdraft stuff. I mean, I can actually, cause there, there are kid accounts that you can set like spending limits. Oh, okay. Like they can only spend X amount at this type of I about, place. I was about to hit up Eli, but Eli, you, hey, you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> no. So it's, it's great. Cause, um, they take their cards along when we go on vacation. Like if they want to do souvenirs mm-hmm. if they want to buy stuff. So I went on a eighth or uh, fourth grade trip with my son, uh, Eli, to Sacramento so we went up there and he this one he had just got the card I think and so we took it along and um you know every every place you stop it's souvenirs souvenirs and I saw these kids just other parents are on the trip too and the kids were like can I get this can I get that and they were just kept wanting to buy stuff and so then I Eli, hey Eli you want to buy anything here look around it's your money man do it do what you want with it like if there's something that you feel like it's memorable and he, like, it was like the third or fourth stop finally. He was like, oh, yeah, I want this. He got like a, re- uh, a coonskin hat, right? <laughs> and so and he still wears it every once in a while. But that was something memorable for him. But all these other little trinkets and this and that, like kids were buying. I'm sure they didn't mean anything and they just forgot about him. But it, it was so, it was good for me as a parent because it took a lot of pressure off. Like I didn't have to feel like I had to say yes or no. I'm, I'm just encouraging him to make a good choice. Say, hey, you, you decide if you think it's really worth it, then go for it. If not, then there's, we got other things coming up. Mm. So I think for me, that's, that was a, a big, uh, a big step. And I thought that was a big, um, burden relief. Um, but it was also empowering my kids. And so I, what I try and do is I talk them through purchases. Like they want to, they want to buy a Lego set or buy this or buy that. I just talk to them and say, Hey, it's a, that's a big chunk of money. Do you, is that what you want to use it on? If you do, are, are you sure that you're going to be happy with it later? 
Um, I just try to ask the questions and then just so that they don't have buyer's remorse later. Mm. And of course we've had that. Like mm-hmm. Eli, he bought like a $120 Lego set one time and nice. he built it. It was awesome. But then after that, it just sits on the desk. And then it was like later, oh, why did I waste my money on that? Yeah. I could have used it for, but you have to learn that, that stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really good. Mm. Well, I was going to try to do a lead into some of the practical ways that we can help our kids, but Kyle already started to do it. So <laughs> he, he's, he's on the clock today. So he's trying to rush, rush through it. Um, but Zach did some research a little bit. And so she has a tool that she came up with that has, she has a friend who works for a company that helps, tries to help kids uh, understand their money and how to use their money well. And so she did some research. So Zach, can you share a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Um, so um a good friend of mine, he works for a company called Kachinga, and it's a financial literacy. It's like for children and teaching them how to use money. Um, it's a really cool to- uh, tool. It's an app that you can download and use for free um, for ages anywhere from four to, I think, 17. Um, if you wanted to, you can add an like an optional debit card to it and then um, set up different chores list um, or assign chores and uh, create a savings goal, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that I've kind of started implementing yet. I think I've downloaded the app, um, kind of played around with it. Really cool features. Um, but in terms of what I do with my kids, it's kind of old school. We do have cash that are given to my kids from the the grandma and grandpas so they just kind of have stacks and envelopes that you know three envelopes one that says checking or no one that says savings one that says giving one that says spending um you know just the basic uh the saving and um kind of the the tool that we're using we don't really use it that much but i do kind of do this idea of okay you have a budget this week, you know, if you want to use it, uh, you know, to go out and get boba drinks, or if you want to go out and get fast food, you know, it's going to come out of this budget. So they're kind of aware of like, you know, the small kind of the, the change, the small amounts. Yeah. So this isn't an, this is not an ad for Kachinga, <laughs> but uh, we just wanted to let people know that there are tools out there, especially with technology that we can use to help our kids to understand different ways to handle their money and be manage their money. And so we can take advantage of some of those tools. And Kachinga is just one of them that's app-based that uh, if you choose to go in that direction, it's something that you can use. And Or you can go the old-fashioned, old-school way and you do envelopes and jars like, <laughs> like Zach was talking about. But just helping peop- our kids to have a good understanding of money because, right, we, you know, there's a lot of parents out there that would say, I would give anything to so that my kids could experience love or joy or whatever, right? And and as we talked about kind of wrapping it back to the beginning, we recognize that the enemy can use money and the love of money as a way to choke out those things. Mm-hmm. And so if we can help our kids to put money in the right place and have the correct perspective on money, then we're actually setting them up to experience the fullness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and be, f- be fruitful mm-hmm. the way sure. that they're supposed to be. And so if really that's something that resonates with you, then maybe finances and helping our kids to understand their finances and have put in the proper perspective is really a good tool to help them to experience that. 
Yeah, so we we started like similar to you, Zach. We have we actually bought little piggy banks that were three different uh, dividers, bank, uh, store, and church. And so we have our kids. We had our kids doing that from a long time ago, and um, our kids they get a nominal allowance. Mm-hmm. It's a very small amount, but it's really it's they have to wash cars and they have to mow the lawn. And that's really what that's for. But, you know, they do other house chores too. But for that, they get something and then it, it gets divided up into those things. And, you know, it's funny because I, I tell, well, I'm not going to say which kid is which. So, <laughs> but one of them, it's like, okay, you have, to, it's, uh, let's just say it's $10. And then, okay, you have to give, put at least one in savings and one in giving and you can do whatever you want with the rest. Mm-hmm. And one would always give, put more in the giving one. And I was like, oh, that's interesting without me having to say it and the other one wouldn't, but then it's, they've kind of rubbed off on each other. Um, so, so that's, that's one thing that's pretty cool. Another thing that I, I do with, with our kids, uh, is so Mimo and I use a budget for ourselves. It's an app. Mm. And so we started doing that four years ago, highly recommended. I wish I did it earlier, even though I was good with money. I just, it helped me understand where my money was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did that because I had to talk about it in one of our finance classes. So I'm like, I better actually use one to, so I know what, how, to just, how, to, how to describe it. But it's been really good. And for, actually for my kids, I didn't even expect this. So when we go to places, we go to the gas station. I give them the receipt because I'm going to start driving here. Put this in the budget app for me. And then they open up the app. And so they see what our monthly budget is. And they see, oh, you have this much remaining. You have, you know, you spent this much or whatever. And so they get to see the value of, having a limit a, a limited amount of funds mm-hmm. it's not just an uh and a credit card where you can just buy whatever you want an open checkbook that they see like oh if oh put this in we went out to dinner put this in the the restaurant app oh, oh we don't have much left yeah like well if we only have like a week left so we're not going to eat out that much or we'll go to like cheaper places and but they they that helps them come into the the decision making process and then it's not like whining like why can't we then and it's like here look at the app that's why mm-hmm. and look at the budget and so bringing them into the equation has helped a lot and i feel like that's going to help them as they get older to realize how, how to handle their money um uh, i was listening to uh this wasn't a podcast this is actually a youtube ted talk that mimo sent us and or to me and damon and the lady in there had a couple of really cool points um she said, make kids pay for their wants. And I'm like, yeah, we, we do that for the most part. We give them some of their wants, but we make them pay for it, and we help them to earn money so they can pay for it. Uh, reduce their prosperity. It's like, yeah, our, our kids nowadays, are they have beyond everything they need, right? And so just, like, lower their prosperity level. Uh, there's a couple other ones. And the last one, um, let them solve their problems. Like, this lady, they... Uh, she gave an example of her husband was going to go from the East coast to like Colorado to go visit his mom. And the kid, one of the the oldest kids said, Oh, can I go with dad? And mom's like, yeah, absolutely. You just have to buy your own plane ticket. And he was like, okay, well, how much is that? It's like, Oh, around 300 bucks. Okay. And then he just came up with these, like, can I do this and do that to earn money? Mm -hmm. She's like, absolutely. I'll help you. And so they helped him, but just trying to help them solve their problems instead of, instead of, you know, coming to the rescue and parents, we can do that in other ways too. But I think finances is, is one that's so easy to just jump in with our money. And then we don't let them wrestle with the, 
issue of money or even how to earn money. So I will be uh, making sure I keep these in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I think problem solving in general is, it, it, one, it's a broad topic, but <clears throat> it's um, useful uh, because you can really get stuck at, you know, what am I going to do? Um, and then kind of posing that question of, well, what are you going to do about it? Um, creates a result that is just all around, um, you know, just having a just better understanding that you have choices, um, and that you don't have to result to, you know, oh, it's the end of the world. Because a lot of times my kids just... They just break down and they're just, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> There's no more. <laughs> so um, I think it's just a good reminder for them. Yeah. And before we close up, I think there's one thing I wanted to ask Zach too, because we were, as we were talking last week, she said something that was very um, interesting and it was very counter to the way that I grew up. So I, and I think it's a healthier perspective the way that she was talking about it. So uh, when I was growing up, one of the ways that my parents tried to do the optimal deprivation thing was they kept up telling us that we were poor. So that's why we didn't get certain things. So so I kind of grew up with this mentality that I was poor. So I think that that was also why I became a saver and why I wanted to invest and things like that. And when we talked about our, um, you know, animals last week, it was, I think a lot of it stemmed from growing up thinking I was poor. And so I was like, okay, I need to be super conscious and aware of how I'm using my money because I don't, I might be poor now, but I don't want to stay poor. Mm -hmm. So Zach kind of brought up something last week when, with the, the telling your kids always you're poor. So yeah, the mentality of you are poor. So therefore, you know, you can only do so much, but that with that understanding, I feel like you can fall into a trap thinking that as you get older, money can actually solve problems. Mm. Uh, but, you know, but in a way that, you know, uh, puts you in a, a position that you can become like a rescuer or um, that you can kind of have a sense of, I have this kind of power in me to, to you know, either lead a family or save a family or, Whatever it is, um, I think that could get kind of tricky. It, it could fall into the wrong, just the idea. Yeah, and I think really for me, it did help shape how I use my money. Mm -hmm. But I think because I kept growing up with that, and which I can understand why they wanted to do that mm -hmm. and why they, they would rather me grow up like that than feeling entitled to everything. Um. But when it started coming to talking about identity and identity in Christ and being able to receive from the Lord, I could see how hard it was for me to receive mm. because growing up, I had always felt like I had to earn everything. I had to work for everything and being able to receive made it really difficult. Mm. And so when you sack last week, when you said like, yeah, we don't want to constantly tell our kids that we're poor and that's why we can't do stuff. And it just really, that, that really resonated with me because <laughs> I know how difficult it was for me to shift that mindset mm -hmm. to be able to receive from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I feel like in all of these things, I really like, you know, Brett's framework of messy grace and just how we can apply it to all of things 
in our lives. It's not my framework, but I, okay. I just love it. I don't want to take credit <laughs> okay. for it. Well, the, the, okay, it's not Brett's framework, <laughs> but the emphasis that Brett has put on messy grace being something that we can incorporate into all the different areas of our life mm. and not just what it comes down to the way that it was presented to us when it deals with like LGBT community, but how it can apply to different areas. So, you know, as we're talking about finances today and helping our kids to understand finances, it, it actually helps them to have the optimal amount of deprivation to help them to grow into resilient adults. And really that's what we're, we want for our kids, right? We want them and we want them to experience the fullness of the fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. And so in order to do that, we need to help them to have the proper perspective on, on finances. You guys have any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about the weight that it can actually have, the impact um, that it can have on you if you take it on with your own strength. Mm. And I think it's good to remind yourself just to um, go back and, you know, s stand on truth, stand on um, the place where your truth comes from and where your beliefs come from um, and not feel like this is something that has to come out of your will, mm. your willpower. Something uh, kind of similar, but uh, when I would talk about finance with my parents, another ism from my mom or parents is when we, you know, when I was younger, I'd ask, are we rich? And she'd be like, no. <laughs> are we poor? She's like, well, do you feel like we're poor? I'm like, no. So it, it was kind of like wrestling with that. But she said, we may not be rich, you know, like financially or, or seem like we're, but we're rich in love. And so it was always this idea of the heart behind it mm -hmm. and, and the heart behind the finances and what God wants you to do with your finances. And so even though that was another saying that would, be stuck in my head probably i'm probably gonna remember that till the day i die um it's a good reminder of yeah like where is your heart um, with your money and and how is god leading you in that way too and it's not separate from from god but uh, in alignment with him as well yeah and i think too it just shows how the legacy of what we pass down to our kids can impact more than just them Right. So Brett has told me that story multiple times. So when I think of finances, a lot of times I'll think about, about <laughs> that too. Like, is it, is it important for us to be rich financially or is it important for us to be rich in love? Mm. And a lot of that's because Brett's told me that story multiple <laughs> times. Right. So, so it, it's what we share with our kids. It doesn't, it is for them, but then the way that we share it with our kids can also impact those around them too. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's important to, to help our kids to grow in those areas. So I'm testament to you guys as parents and, and for your kids that you may tell them stuff and they may not listen or they may, they may gag when they hear it too much, but eventually it clicks and, and they'll see that you're right. So, <laughs> so yeah. repetition and <laughs> is important. So thanks guys for coming on and talking to us about uh, our finances and how to, how we can help our kids to have, a proper perspective on finances. And so really, you know, it's our heart that we want our kids to be able to flourish just as like we want all of our listeners to flourish too. So until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in every season. Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. 
You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.